0: So let's pray. God, we thank you that uh, the ministry that we need really ultimately comes from your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we think about the people in this room this morning coming from different places of maybe joy or sadness. Some broken, some encouraged, some in need of hope, maybe others in need of being humbled. And Lord, we look to you to do the work of ministry through your Spirit, to meet people, to supply their needs, to redirect their hearts and their eyes and their attention to Christ, to draw close to them, to comfort them, to encourage them, to humble them. God, we ask that you would do that this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the sound doctrine of scripture that has been handed down to us faithfully, the doctrine that was taught by Christ, that was recorded and spoken by the prophets, that was entrusted to the apostles, and that's been kept by the church. And Lord, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, that we would be encouraged by this doctrine, that we would love it, appreciate it, live according to it, that we would treasure the teaching of Jesus, and that it would direct our lives. Would you do that work this morning in Christ's name? Amen. So open your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 15. And uh, if you're a guest with us this morning and you don't have a Bible, you can always put one uh, on your phone with an app. Otherwise, we have our little welcome table back here. And we would love for you to take one of our Bibles. You can take it home and keep it. We are working our way through a little series uh, about our core values here at Maricopa Springs. We'll wrap that up in a few more weeks and go back to making our way through Genesis. But today we're going to talk about our core value for sound doctrine as a church. And I know probably many people, when they hear words like theology or doctrine, they think, oh, that's academic and boring. Those are subjects for professors and pastors, not for like normal church folk like me. But the truth is, subjects like theology and doctrine are profoundly practical subjects for the church to talk about. Theology is simply what you believe about God, and so it's very, very practical. What could be more practical than what you believe about God? And do you know what the word doctrine means? The word doctrine simply means teaching. It comes from Latin, and it literally means teaching. And so we as Christians, when we talk about doctrine, what we're talking about is the teaching of Jesus that guides and directs the church, the teachings of Christianity that are the basis of what it is that we believe and how we act and how we live. So this is incredibly practical for you as a Christian, because if you are a Christian, it means that you claim to live according to the teaching of Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus. What you believe is the doctrine that he gave us. And so our core value for sound doctrine means that as a church, we believe and we follow the teaching of Jesus. Now think about it. If you want to be a marine biologist, but you decide that you're going to go to welding school, then the teaching that you receive is not going to prepare you to go and understand the creatures that live in the ocean or the ecosystem of that environment. You can't be a marine biologist if the teaching that you follow is welding. Or imagine if you went to see the doctor for a health problem that you're dealing with, and when you ask the doctor, where did you get your education? He responded to you and said, well, I got it from the local pastry chef down the street. That doctor might be able to make you a delicious croissant but you do not want him evaluating your blood work to determine what your problem is, right? And in a world that pretty much believes that every opinion and every idea is equally valid, our core value for sound doctrine is not a core value for doctrine generally, as if every teaching is good and right, and we can just get up here and give you any teaching and that will edify you and improve your life and lead you to God, our value is for sound doctrine as a church, which means that we are committed to the right teaching of Jesus as the Bible gives it to us. So keep your finger in Matthew 15. I'm going to get there, but first let me put this core value up on the screen for you so that you can see it. Our core value for sound doctrine says that we know God's Word and stand for its truth. We know God's Word and stand for its truth. So when I say that we're people who live according to the teaching of Jesus, you need to understand, by that I mean that the whole Bible is the teaching of Jesus. All of it, all of God's Word, from Genesis to Revelation and everything that's in between, the whole teaching of the Bible is the teaching of Jesus because all of it comes to us from God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And this is important because sometimes you will hear today people say things like, well, Jesus didn't teach on the subject of homosexuality, and so therefore this is a thing, a lifestyle that the church can accept and approve. Or Jesus didn't mention the word abortion, and so why is it such a big deal? Why do Christians care so much? Can't we just accept it? Now, it is true that if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus, we get the life of Jesus, he does not mention the words homosexual or abortion, but the Bible teaches about those topics. It covers them from Genesis to Revelation. And because those topics are in the Bible, we would say that they are a part of the teachings of Jesus. And therefore, we should seek to know what the Bible says, what the Bible says about these topics and all of the other topics that it touches on so that we can hold to sound doctrine. Our goal as Christians is to base our life and our beliefs off of what the Bible actually says. Not what we might want it to say because there's some parts where you might come to it and be like, that's a little uncomfortable. Not what we might want it to say, not what our culture out there says that they think it should say, not even off of what experts might say, theologians or pastors. You are obligated to know what God's Word says so that you can live according to it. We want to know, as believers, what Jesus actually taught so that as we seek to live out this core value as a church, then... Our goal must be to know God's Word, to know the Bible, and then in knowing it, to live according to what it says, because it's, it's true. And in being true, then it is good. It's the right way for us to live our lives. So this is why at Maricopa Springs, we put such an emphasis on our Bibles. Now, let's read Matthew 15. We're going to pick up in verse 1 and go through verse 20. It says, Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem, and they said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And Jesus answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, then you say he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you've made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And Jesus called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth of a person that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? And Jesus answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, Theft, false witness, slander—these are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So, in this scene, we find Jesus once again engaged in some discussion with the Pharisees, as happens frequently in the Gospels. And the Pharisees—hopefully, you know—were the religious leaders in Jesus' day. They were they were responsible for teaching the Jews. The Torah, the Old Testament, the commandments of Moses, the doctrines of Judaism. And the conflict that we encounter in this scene really gets solidified in verses 8 and 9. Jesus quotes the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, and he says that these teachers essentially don't know what they're talking about. They honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. Their worship of Him is in vanity because they have supplanted the doctrine of God with the teachings of men. They've tossed out sound doctrine that comes from God and instead replaced it with what they think is best. With their lips, they claim to love this God, but with their actions, they show their hearts, in fact, reject Him. Now, specifically in this scene... The Pharisees are upset that Jesus has this practice of not washing his hands before he eats a meal. And they're not upset because Jesus' hands might be dirty or have germs on them. That's not what they're concerned about. Like the reason you might be upset why your children, you know, after playing outside, haven't washed their hands before they eat. No, this is a religious ritual thing. They believed that if you didn't wash your hands before you ate the food then your unholy, unclean hands would contaminate the food that you were eating. And when you put it inside of you then, you would be contaminated, unholy, unclean before God. And this is not sound doctrine. This is bad doctrine. This is doctrine that's made up from tradition. It doesn't come from God. And Jesus is upset that these men are teaching people to follow bad doctrine and then actually claiming that it comes from the mouth of God. And so in verse 10, Jesus calls his followers to himself and he gives them these two imperatives, hear and understand. An imperative is a command, hear and understand. And even though Jesus is giving these commands to the people that are present with him, as we read this, We need to hear these commands, hear and understand. We need these for our own lives. In order for us to have sound doctrine, to believe the right teachings of Jesus, we also need to hear and understand. For us today, we hear and we understand the right teaching of Jesus when we read our Bible, when we know it, when we seek to comprehend it, when we try to live according to it and apply it. And friends, do you know that survey after survey done by people like George Barna and Gallup show that people who claim to be Christians don't actually read their Bibles? Survey after survey of American Christians show that people who claim to be a follower of Jesus frequently do not read their Bibles or maybe I could say infrequently, actually read their Bibles. And that brings up a very obvious question, doesn't it? How can you be a follower of this man Jesus if you don't know what he taught? How can you be his follower? I mean, seriously, if you call yourself a Christian, do you even know what is in this book? Have you read it? Do you seek to understand it? Do you want to live according to it and apply its teaching to your life? I know that I've shared this story with some of you uh, over the years, so forgive me if it's a repeat story for you, but the first time that I actually read my Bible cover to cover was my sophomore year in high school. And the reason was because I was on a soccer team, I was on my soccer team in high school and I was trying to share the gospel with one of my friends on the team, his name was Luke. And... Uh, and I felt silly in that conversation because I'm telling Luke, I want, I want you to know about Jesus. He's, I'm a follower of Jesus. He's great. He, he loves you and, and he's got grace to offer you. You should trust this man, Jesus. You too should follow this man, Jesus. And my friend Luke looked at me and he said, well, have you ever even read the whole Bible? And I was like, no, I haven't. And so he mocked me and he told me that I was a follower of a book that I didn't even read, that was quite suspicious in his eyes. And man, that actually really wrecked me. And I decided in response to that conversation that I would be, I think, kind of a fool if I called myself a follower of teachings that I hadn't even read. And so I went home and decided that I was gonna tackle that task. And I did it that sophomore year of high school. Now listen, I'm not telling you that you know. in order for you to be a follower of Jesus, you need to read the Bible cover to cover. You need to go home and start that project today. That would be a good goal for sure and I certainly encourage you in that work. I encourage you to strive for that. But if you haven't done that yet, then let's, let's start small and let's build on that. How about reading your Bible at all? How about reading the Gospels. Maybe don't start in Genesis, maybe start in Matthew. Have you read about the life and ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? Those books are not very long, and in them you get to hear the teaching of Jesus. And see, how can you say that you stand for the truth of God's Word and you are committed to this value of sound doctrine as a Christian If you are not personally seeking to hear and to understand the teaching of this man Jesus, like Jesus says here in verse 10, I exhort you with that same imperative, hear and understand. Now you might say, well, that's easy for you, Grady. I mean, this is your full time job. Like, we pay you as a church to just sit around and read your Bible all day. I'm a construction worker. Right? I leave at four in the morning for work. I'm exhausted when I get home. I'm a mother of four children who I raise full time. Do you know how crazy that is? Or I'm a very busy professional. My email box is always full. My phone is ringing off the hook, whatever the case may be. But, but how can you know this man? How can you love this man and not want to hear him? Not want to understand him. How can you claim that he's precious to you, that he's a treasure, if you don't care what he has to say to you? And the truth is, friends, we don't lack time to seek Jesus. We don't. We have plenty of time. We lack love for Jesus, we lack trust for Jesus, and therefore we don't seek him. Like Jesus explains in this passage, our problem is not outside of us like hand washing. It's not a problem that is presented to us from the world out there. Our problem is buried in us. It comes from within. It's a heart that just doesn't desire him or is far away from him. And Jesus actually would love to change that if you're willing to let him. If you were to go to him and say, give me a hunger for your teaching, help me hear and understand your word, that's a prayer that Jesus will answer. You know, in his book, um, Brothers, We Are Not Professionals, John Piper, the pastor, tells the story of a man named Heinrich Bitzer. And Heinrich Bitzer taught himself Hebrew and Greek so that he could read the Bible in its original language. I, I, I can tell you I've studied Hebrew and Greek. that seems like an impossible task to me to teach yourself. That's intense. And you know what Piper says about Bitzer? He says in that book that Bitzer was a banker. Not a scholar, not a pastor. He was just a normal, everyday guy like you, a banker who wanted to hear and understand the teachings of Jesus. So he learned to read his Bible in Greek and Hebrew. That's how much he longed to know this man, Jesus. Now again, you don't have to do that to have sound doctrine, to follow the teachings of Jesus, thank goodness. My point is only that if Bitzer could do that, and Bitzer was a banker, then what is our excuse in not even reading our Bible in English, or at the very least, pulling up an app where it's read to you and listening to it while you're doing chores around the house or driving to work. What is our excuse if Bitzer was a banker for not hearing and seeking to understand God's Word? If we loved Jesus and we really in our heart came to understand His love for us, then wouldn't we want to know all of the things that He has to say to us? Back to Matthew 15, when Jesus gives this teaching to correct the Pharisees by explaining to them that people are defiled from the inside, and the Pharisees have a problem because they don't have any cure for that. There's no cure that they're offering for the defilement that is present in people. The disciples come to Jesus in verse 12 and they tell him, Jesus, you offended these Pharisees with the things that you said. That sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? Walking on eggshells as a Christian, being careful what you say so that you don't offend somebody, being told maybe even by other people who profess Christ that you should watch your tone. When you talk like that, it's not very Christ-like. Even if those things are true, you shouldn't say offensive things like that to people you might hurt their feelings. So look at what Jesus does in verse 13 and 14 after being told by the disciples that, they, that he offended the Pharisees. Verses 13 and 14 tell us that he apologized to them for hurting their feelings. No. He doubles down. And then he triples down. He says that the Pharisees are like weeds that are growing in a garden. They don't keep the doctrines of God, and so when that garden is pruned, they're going to be pulled up. And then he says they're like blind fools leading a chain of other blind fools courageously down a path right into a hole. Jesus does not care if his words hurt the feelings of the Pharisees. He couldn't care less. Jesus cares about what is true. And our core value says that we know God's word and we stand for its truth. Meaning that we also do not care if in teaching and speaking and proclaiming and living the words of Jesus, that is an offense to the world. We don't care. Now, this doesn't mean that we should go about looking to offend people. We don't want to be offensive people our goal is not that but we need to understand that the doctrines of Christianity they are offensive and there's just no way around it the teachings of Jesus are an offense to men in their pride and their self-righteousness and like Jesus we should not care one whit if what Jesus says hurts the feelings of narcissistic and sanctimonious people when we proclaim it. Think about this. Men offend God all the time, and nobody cares. I mean, how many times in the last week, either in a show or with a coworker or in a newspaper, you heard something that would be offensive to God. Nobody cares at all when man offends God. Why should we be concerned if God offends the creatures that He made that belong to Him? And not even with offensive things, but with wisdom and truth and what is good and right. Sound doctrine is by very nature an insult to people who love darkness and hate God. And by God's grace, when we speak this sound doctrine, some of these people will hear it and they'll be so offended by it that their hearts will be cut to the core and they will repent of their sin. And they will place their trust in this man whose teachings are wise and true and praise God for that. But many others will simply go on being offended. But who cares? because they're offended by Jesus when he spoke it 2,000 years ago. They've been offended by him because of it every day since, and they will be offended by him until kingdom comes. Only let us, as followers of Jesus, look to him as our example so that we would refuse to be bullied by weak-minded, easily offended, petty fools when they tell us, don't talk about the teachings of Jesus. As for us... We're going to seek to know God's word and stand for its truth. And whatever consequences might come as a result for that, so be it. That is up to God. Now, after the insult, Peter asks a great question in verse 15. Jesus, can you explain what you're talking about? I, I don't get it. The reason why sound doctrine is so important is because the teachings of Jesus are are telling us about ultimate reality. They are pointing us to the truth, which is God. Jesus is teaching about eternal things, divine things, things that have the utmost consequence. And if you don't have sound doctrine or trustworthy and correct doctrine, then what you have in its place is bent doctrine, disordered doctrine, false doctrine, and what do teachings that are false do? They lead to ruin. They lead to despair. They lead to destruction. And so Peter asks the right question here. Jesus, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I know the things that you say are good, but I, I don't understand. Explain it to me. Help us understand the nature of this ultimate reality about which you are speaking. And it's a good question. But what response does Peter receive in verse 16? Jesus scolds Peter. And he isn't upset. Jesus isn't upset because Peter asked the question. The clue in this verse that helps us understand Jesus' frustration is the word still. Still. Jesus says, are you also still without understanding? See, at this point, the disciples have been following Jesus for probably at least a year, maybe longer than that. How is it possible then that after spending almost 24-7 with this man over the course of a year, following him for so long, hearing him, that they are still ignorant of his teachings? Friends, you are welcome in your ignorance to bring your questions to Jesus. He won't turn you away. He would love to provide answers to those questions for you. But don't be surprised if when you bring your questions, his response sounds something like this. How long will you claim to follow me and still not know and understand these things? How long will you claim to be one of my followers and not do the things that I instruct you to do? how long will you attach yourself to me and not know and understand these things and live them out? See, sound doctrine is essential for a church because it's out of the things that we believe that our actions follow. What you believe determines how you live. If you believe that you know more than an Ikea manual then when you get that furniture home, you're going to open it up and you're going to build the table and at the end, it's going to look weird and you're going to have some leftover screws because you think you know better. If you believe that Jesus is good and that everything that he says is right and true, then you're going to follow the instructions that he gives you. If you correctly understand what Jesus commands... And you know sound doctrine then it's going to transform the way that you live your life it's going to transform the way that you parent the way that you work at your place of employment the way you speak to your spouse the way that you hope the way that you spend your money the things that you reflect on the stuff that you watch let me illustrate it another way during world war ii The British managed to develop uh, the radar system before the Nazis did. And it allowed them to prevent these nighttime air raids. The Nazis would fly their bombers over London in the dark because they could see the city lights and drop the bombs, but the British couldn't see the bombers. And so the British developed radar but they didn't want the Nazis to know about this new technology they had developed, and so they came up with a government propaganda campaign that they blasted over the radio. That if you eat carrots, it lets you see better in the dark. And all of their pilots and their gunners had incredible night vision because they ate a lot of carrots. And the Nazis listening to the British radio hear this and they they believe it. And so they begin to feed all of their troops lots of carrots, thinking that eating carrots will allow you to see better in the dark. The Nazis believed it, and so they lived in response to what they believed. They ate carrots. Now the point is, if you truly believe that Jesus has the words of life and his teachings are a light to your path, The only way to know the truth, the truth that will set you free, if you know it and you understand it and you live according to it, then you're going to seek to know those teachings, aren't you? You're going to seek to live according to them. If you believe that God's word will allow you to pierce the darkness of ignorance and see the truth, then you're going to eat up the word of God, aren't you? Now, because Jesus is gracious and he wants his followers to understand, even though he scolds Peter here, he doesn't leave the question unanswered. He tells his disciples what the parable means, and we actually already covered this. Man is not plagued by an uncleanness that assaults him from the outside. Man is plagued by uncleanness that festers from the inside. An unholy heart, a heart with corrupt desire, bent will, a feeble mind, a rebellious heart. That's what's inside of us. And the bad doctrine of the Pharisees was teaching people that you can change what's inside of you through legalism, through behavior modification, through religious rituals like washing your hands. You can be clean. And tragically, the bad doctrine didn't change anybody. The bad doctrine was ineffective to do anything meaningful in people's lives. It only buried people under a crushing mountain of guilt and law and legalism. Jesus, on the other hand, had come to offer sound doctrine. That by trusting him, being confident in his goodness and the truth of his teaching, God would change you from the inside out. God would transform you by His power. And that confidence that the way of Jesus is the best way, it's a seed that in our hearts eventually sprouts and grows so that our actions come to reflect the very life of Jesus Himself. And so do you see, sound doctrine, my friends, is not merely about your brain and what you put in there, although that is a a small part of it. Sound doctrine is about trusting in the right teaching of Jesus so that your life conforms to Him. It looks like His. And if a a church forsakes that sound doctrine, if people forsake that, then the end is death. But don't kid yourself. You cannot follow the way of Jesus unless you know what He taught. Your heart needs healing, and that healing is found only in this teaching that comes to us from Jesus. Now, I thought about spending more time kind of showing you the teaching of the world and contrasting it with the teaching of Jesus, but I really don't have time for that. And so I'm just going to leave that task to you. You can do that work. You can look at the brilliant teaching of Jesus as you read his word and you can be an interpreter of the times looking at this culture and you can see how what they have to say is bankrupt and stupid in comparison to what Jesus offers in his wisdom and intelligence. The spirit of God will make you wise and you'll have to do some work as you seek to hear and understand God's word but Jesus will lead you in that way. I'm confident of that. So it'll, be, it'll have to be sufficient for now for me to just close with one other teaching of Jesus that comes to us from the Apostle Paul. So turn with me in your Bible to Romans 12. In Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, I want you to notice here as I read this how it talks about the mind and the heart, the whole person uniting around the sound doctrine of Jesus so that we might live the way that he lived. Paul writes, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do you see worship there is not some spiritual thing that exists in another dimension? It's, it's an act of your life, your bodies as a living sacrifice. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. Don't follow the teachings of this world, but rather be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's the teachings of Jesus as you reflect on them, hear them, and understand them, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul pleads with us that we would give our lives as a sacrifice to God. And the first step in doing that is to transform your mind by hearing and understanding God's word, God's will. Let me read it just one more time, and then I'll pray. I appeal to you, therefore, God, I pray that that would define our church. That we would present our bodies as a living sacrifice, a life lived to the glory and praise of Jesus. And that we would accomplish that work by rejecting the teaching of the world and accepting what it is that Christ told us. That we would follow His instruction that we would seek to hear and understand everything that he said. And I pray, God, that you would be pleased as we do that, that our lives would be transformed, that we would be people of sound doctrine, and through that, that we would be blessed by the truth as your word is a lamp to our path and a light to our feet. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.